0: lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson.
1: So thanks for joining us today, listeners. We've got a really interesting guest on our show, and I think that she's going to talk about some things that we can all identify with. She's going to talk a little bit about how depression, anxiety, and trauma are really hard to move away from. Rachel McLeod, she's a licensed clinical social worker. She's also a mental health therapist and an emotional wellness coach. And over the years and years of successfully helping clients move through their anxiety, depression, and trauma disorders into remission, she has developed a program that empowers people to skillfully get rid of symptoms and to heal. She's also the facilitator of the Facebook group Releasing the Baggage of Anxiety, Depression, and Traumatic Stress, where she delivers free training on leading interventions that work well for getting rid of symptoms, not just coping or managing them. Her mission is to empower people to do their own healing, work effectively, safely, and skillfully. Rachel, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. So I'm so intrigued because we both at the Brain Performance Center, we work with a lot of the same clients, the anxiety, the depression, the trauma, and, and we, and each are different. And there's always some, I mean, neurofeedback, creating neuroplasticity, in the brain, really putting the brain into a regulated state helps so many people to let go. But there are some that, you know, getting rid of those, resolving those symptoms, and even though maybe they've been in therapy for years. So talk to me and tell me, I'm sure that you've worked with some folks like that.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I've been one of those folks like that. Um, And um, really this, it's really powerful what our brain can do for us and how our brain can so quickly resolve symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress that have never resolved, like even that maybe we've carried on around us for decades. And all of a sudden, like you're talking about, once our brain is able to shift into that healing and processing state, it can really resolve all these things. It can untangle webs and webs of confusion and trauma and dysfunction. And all of a sudden we can be really behaving, feeling, thinking, very healthy. And so Uh, it's really powerful to do this work. Absolutely, and you know, this is a true fact. Every second,
1: the brain is capable of taking in 11 million bits of data. Mm. Research says that 40 to 126 can be maintained on a conscious level. Personally, I think it's 40, but doesn't matter. We don't have to do the math. It all goes into that subconscious, and that subconscious is what keeps our autonomic nervous system bouncing
2: around, either fight, flight, or freeze. Yes, absolutely. And, and really, you know, my process and, and how I help people resolve symptoms of anxiety, depression and traumatic stress is really helping people process those millions and billions of bits of data. And um, it's always trying to process. But because of those survival states, once we're in a survival state, that process for integrating and updating our system really gets closed down and resolving symptoms gets shut off and all of a sudden when you can use the survival when you can get the survival system to let the healing happen all of a sudden the brain can naturally resolve symptoms and it does so very quickly because it is processing so much data it is working through its healing functions very very quickly but if that survival system doesn't allow that process to kick on and do its work no healing happens and we get stuck with those symptoms backing up causing big consequences and explosions and in our inner world and also in our outer world. Well, you know, and I think people, when people come into the, the center, they're like, so
1: what are you going to do to my brain? And it's like, we're not going to do anything to your brain that your brain doesn't want. Yeah. You know, we're going to create, we're going to help that brain get into a regulated state. And yes. the, the, everybody's brain and everybody, I believe, wants to be able to live a normal life. They want to be able to have those relationships that they dream about and connect with people and, and you know, go after whatever their goals are and their challenges are. And I really think that, you know, when where we start really is we talk about the mind and body connection. And I know you do, too. Yep. And, you know, I always say that the body keeps score of everything that's going on in the brain.
2: Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I really think what's important for people to understand with this is that, yes, it really is all about regulating the nervous system. But really, those symptoms of anxiety, depression and traumatic stress are evidence that our brain is actually trying to heal that our mind-body system is trying to heal and is stuck, is not completing that healing process. And really right there in those moments, if we can get that shift and create that shift to regulated state, all of a sudden that healing happens naturally easily and quickly. And so um, I really like that when people see these symptoms as opportunities for growth and healing, and then also they know what to do to create, to flip that switch and create that healing. It's really such a confidence boost. And we really start to live with these symptoms well, because brains brains have trouble with things. Even if we didn't have a disorder, we'd still encounter times of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress. because brains are just like us they run into things they don't know how to resolve and so once we can help them get figure it out and keep moving along their process all of a sudden health and wellness is just happening and pouring through so um i i really think having a really healthy and um Uh, A leadership relationship with these symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress is really, really important. In the beginning, when somebody's in a disorder, that's not available, right? We're trying to run from the symptoms. We're trying to fight and flee, avoid, not engage them. Like their symptoms are kind of like these gangsters that run around in our inner world that we're trying to appease and stay away from. But once we start really getting that, people start getting the, the... Watching their brain heal and resolve them, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I just need to do this little thing. And things happen well. All of a sudden, their relationship with these symptoms start to change. And even if they have tons to work through, they're really ready and positioned to do that and really, really empowered, which I'm sure you see that over there as well. So. Well,
1: you know, it's so interesting because when people come in and and I do a complimentary consultation with everybody and and we're talking and I say there's four things that will put a brain in a dysregulated state. One is genetics. Brain waves are just as genetic as how tall you are, what color eyes you have. The second is physical head trauma. Anytime you hit your head, you change the way... Neurons and dendrites are wiring and firing. And that's actually how I got into working with the brain. It's one of my sons got hit by a car. And that was a long time ago, but but very important. And then the third is emotional trauma. And I don't wish it on you. I don't wish it on anybody. But we all know if we live life, we're going to have emotional trauma. That's right. And then the last thing is stress. And stress is something that after the last couple of years what we've been through globally, I don't believe there's a person out there that hasn't felt stressed
2: out. No. And stress is brain food. I mean, if you uh, can empathize with brains, like brains want to grow and understand the world and create mastery in all these different areas of our life and reach goals. And it really requires the stress to do that. And the same system that it it um, really resolve revolves around being regulated is the part that um, will process the stress. And so if we are if the stress is building, we know that our brain isn't utilizing that energy well, and it's not it's not being able to capitalize and really digest the stress. So it's just piling up. And that's really where we'll see disorders as well. So we really want to amplify the brain's ability to process stress. And sometimes this gets knocked off because of recent traumas, overstressing, things like that. But sometimes this our brain's process ability to process, stress never actually got really well wired in in childhood. Um, And so that's some of the stuff that we're doing as well is really helping wire brains to really process stress and the stress that's coming into that brain specific life and get that stuff moving and being helping the brain utilize and convert that stuff into the next levels of wellness, mastery and health. And so all of this is just such an important stuff that all of us have to navigate because this is how brains work. Well, exactly, and and you know it's
1: how the brain processes information is they right the brain will turn everything into a story. So there's a piece of information that's missing, and the brain will you know the brain will just grab something to and yes. stick it in that slot. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when we when we tell a story or and we think about is that really what happened. And the answer is no, that's not really what happened. That's just your brain doing the best it can to process that information and using what it has.
2: Yes, I also see that um, as a sign that, that there's some information in the system that is stuck and is not being able to get through to the front of the brain where um, that little empty spot could be filled with. Um, A lot of times we when we find those sorts of openings, we'll try to just, you know, instead of instead of having that finding the actual piece of data that goes there we'll just uh, we'll we'll try to find a better one but i find a lot of times the that missing piece of information is already in the subconscious mind it's already in the body we just need to pull it up and get it plugged in and then all of a sudden we can do that and there's tons of brain tricks to do that that people really can learn themselves and can use with each other can use for themselves and really help their system find those missing pieces and get things plugged in and running and um, and you'll watch growth happen, and you'll watch maturity happen, and um, and it's really it's really fascinating. It's so cool.
1: Well, let's talk about what some of those tricks are. Let's share some of those with our listeners.
2: Oh, you know, one of my favorite ones, and I teach this. I have an eight-part process, and I teach people one how to get the the stress processor moving, and so we do lots of exercises there, kind of like stress processor brain push-ups. And then I teach people how to resolve impacting events. That's the second part of my program, and then the third part I really start teaching advanced skills, and some of these brain tricks really fall in those advanced skills. And so, one of my favorite ones is to use the the mind-body connection and really have people, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't learn it like this, but I, it's really called somatic experiencing. That's one piece of the component of this, where you will experience the, the emotional or the emotion or the memory in the body's language, the body's experience of the emotion and the body's experience of the experience. And so the body has all of the memories stored. Um, It doesn't store them in words because that's not the body's native language. It stores them in sensations, in pain, in pressure, in fluttering. All of that is is our full memories, our full emotional expressions that mean tons of things. Um, We just don't know exactly what they mean until they get they move through the brain's healing process, and they get converted into thoughts and words and understandings that happens in the front of the brain. And so a lot of this stuff is about getting that body information through the healing process, through the processor and get it to the part of the brain that will convert it into meaning and words and an understanding. And so um, that's my goal. That's always, that's the goal. That's the strategy I teach. Take that somatic piece of information, take that sensation in your body and get it through the processor. And so um, there are lots of tricks for that, but really what we need, the ingredients there is to pay attention to the sensation and to get your survival system to allow it through. And that's really where I will help people use. I guide people to use interventions like emotional freedom techniques, thought-filled therapy, energy medicine, or EMDR. I teach all of those. Um, and there are more. There are tons of interventions. Those are the four that I have found work the best and that um, I find people can pick them up and grab them and start using them. And so I have them pay attention to this: the, the memory that's stored in the body's language and use one of these interventions and within seconds 30 seconds 2 minutes it it that gets processed and then all of a sudden people understand what that meant they recall the memory um or they don't recall the memory they don't need to um but they they all of a sudden they have new solutions and a uh, new insights and epiphanies will start happening because that the mind body connection is 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 functioning optimally and doing what it does so that's, that, that's one of the tricks that I will have people do. We can also have, we can also use float back techniques where we can grab one of those sensations and the brain will take us exactly to the original memory where that, where the brain started using that sensation. And then from there, when we have that original memory, we can use, we can process that. We can get that through the processor using an intervention by opening up the survival system, allowing that communication and healing process to complete. And then when we, we resolve the original memory, the way the brain learned to do that resolves all the way forward. So we'll actually, by working on a past event, we will see benefits in healing and growth in the present which is just cool. It's just and that's really one of the fastest ways to clear out a lot of symptoms very quickly is to go to the origin when people can and if people can and if not there's tons of other strategies. I mean that's you know why we have a whole profession here is that we we have people like myself who want all the strategies and want to be able to come at things from all directions but but really when someone's working with their own inner world they'll find that three or four strategies will empower them to do most of the work that they need for their brain.
1: And what I have found is people really need to pick what resonates with them, what yes. you know, what what feels natural to them, because people sometimes say, "Well, Lee, what do you think I should do?" I don't know. What do you think you should do? Let's talk about that, because it's got to be something they're in they're in control. And what I see with people is the minute that they start to manage the problem, and it stops managing them, they get so hopeful they get so yes. excited. Yes. It's like, okay, I am going to get past this.
2: Yes. I love that moment. I love that moment. And you know, I, I, when I, I do have standards for this, I do have expectations for brain function. Um, and I like to match people with interventions right away. Um, I'm not leaving it up for guesswork. I do want to find the intervention that works for their specific brain and their specific neurology, period. That's so important because if you don't so like- So how do you do that? Uh, I trial them. I, in the very first session, I'm working with people. I, um, we will start working on a stressor. And I want to see their brain process it. And so um, I will have them focus in on it. And then I'll try it. Well, I'll introduce them. The first one I like to introduce people to is emotional freedom techniques, because there's no yeah. known side effects. It's super fast and it's very powerful. So and it works with 80 percent of people. So well, and how easy is it to tap? I mean, I know. Right. <sighs> <laughs> and the survival That's- system, once we find what the survival system will re- respond to, we're in. We can go off and start working. So I'm looking for that survival system response. We're, we're working on the stressor. We're using an intervention within the first round or two of using emotional freedom techniques. We should see the brain's processor moving. And the cues for that I'm looking for is I'm looking for stress to resolve and release from the body. So tension to release. Calm to increase. I'm also looking for um, a reduction in emotional reasoning, an increase in logical reasoning, and um, new insights problem solving. I want to see front brain activity. I don't want to just see because this information is coming from the body, it has to make its way through the survival system and then it will shift into the front of the brain. If it's in the survival system, you're not going to see front of the brain activity. You're not going to see thoughts. You're not going to see reason. You're not going to see logic. You're not going to see solutions. You're not going to see multiple perspectives. That's not a function of the survival system. And so we know that we've, that, we can, that this process is opened and that the information is moving to the front of the brain because we will see front brain activity. And so when I'm matching someone with an intervention, I want to see those things happen. And because we're working with the, uh, an electrical brain process, we will see it within seconds. And so if it doesn't, if emotional freedom techniques isn't the right one or they don't like it, then on to the next one. Now I'm trying a different intervention. And that my next intervention I really like um, from Thought Filled Therapy is collarbone breathing. And so that one takes two minutes. And so I'll have them focus on the stressor. We'll use that intervention. And then I want to, and then I'm going to tune in what are they feeling in their body? What are they seeing? What are they noticing? What new thoughts are there? And it's totally fine if there are no new thoughts right? If we didn't get any results, I'm going for the next intervention. But I will tell you that after doing this with hundreds of people, one of those two interventions is, is really the, a great fit. Um, and then after that, I'm just adding on stuff to really increase the amount of time um, their brain gets processing. And um, I'll also refer people to neurofeedback. Brains can do so much healing work. There's no reason to limit it if a person can also keep up with it. So it's 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 really, um, brains could spend all day processing and healing, but not all of us in our life could tolerate that, right? So we got to find the right mix for people. Um, but I really like to, if, if they're in a place where we can come at this from all these directions, I'm going to, because we really can resolve these these disorders in two to six months with the right strategies. Why not?
1: absolutely and when you can see a difference in someone's life after two or three after two or three sessions yes and they can see that difference you know it's like you see people just come alive and you see their their family and their friends come alive and it's it's to me probably you know we've learned more about the brain in the last 10 years than we have in all the time before neuroscience, right. brain science. You go to the grocery store, you'll see a time magazine about the brain. Yes. It's it's I think the time and the place has really arrived. I, I truly do. So the you mentioned two of the techniques that you use. Now, EDMR. Did I say that right? EMDR, eye e- movement, desensitization and reprocessing. Right. That's something I've actually looked at getting training in, but I've, from my standpoint, I have found the neuro and the bio and the neuroplasticity to get the results that I need. So I, so I haven't, but it's a different, it's a different approach. Mm -hmm. And, and I think everybody's heard those letters, but they don't know what it does. Could you share
2: that with our listeners? Yeah. Um, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and it's we're using while you're awake the same process that we're take we're doing when we're in REM sleep, that rapid eye movement sleep. That's where we believe that we're doing our emotional healing and processing and our mental work, um, and we believe that the eyes, the eye movements, are helping that. And so we will do that in, while people are awake. We'll have them focus on an issue. Instead of like in dream state, your brain is, is navigating the entire process. In an in a EMDR session, you choose what you want to work on healing, where you want to point the brain to do its healing work, and then you start eye movements. Um, <clears throat> now, you can also, this is, the, the real key here is that the brain crosses the center line back and forth and back and forth. Um, that's how it's, it really opens up to a, a really awesome processing state. Um, and we can do this by a tapping on the left side and the right side and the left side and the right side, maybe on our shoulders. You might've seen like giving yourself a hug, a, a t- alternating tapping hug, that's an EMDR um, strategy. Um, there's also audio sounds where you can get a, a buzz in one sound and, and, and then a sound in the other and back and forth and back and forth. Um, that keeps the brain crossing over. And it really if you look at the brain under fMRI right there, you'll see the whole brain lit up in its processing state what happens in a survival state is all of the 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 survival system will suck up all the information all of the chemicals and electricity to just run the survival state and so it's not a whole brain activity and it's not a processing state and so so we want to put the brain in its processing state we want to open those healing pathways and that that processing pathways and while focusing on something and, um, what happens, I like to talk about this as like, it's like, um, the other interventions are very much like they desensitize right away. They're very quick. They're very controlled. You get to navigate them. That's why there are no known side effects. Um, with EMDR, it's like you're in a car going on a healing journey and you let your brain sit in the driver's seat while you go sit in the back seat and put your seatbelt on and you go wherever the brain wants to go. This can be wonderful. And this can be really awful. There are some really awful side effects that can come with EMDR if it's not the right fit for you, if it's not the right time, or if your brain decides to open up stuff that you weren't ready for or that you and your therapist weren't ready for. So there, there are some drawbacks to this, but when it is the right strategy, it's phenomenal. And so, um, so it's one of the most popular trauma processing interventions in the country, because it is powerful, and it does work. And, um, but there's a good percentage of people that really can't use it. And that's really why I am trained in all these interventions, because it's, there's not one intervention that's, the best for every person. And so we really want to find the right matches because the brain can start healing immediately when you find that. And I don't like to delay that. And in standard EMDR work, you you keep talking and, and, and trying to get people in a place of readiness, but the shifts don't take place through the talking center of our brain. It takes place with the mind-body connection working. So I like to get that process working as soon as possible. So um, there are wonderful passive approaches with EMDR. Um, You can be working at your desk and listening to audio um, bilateral, alternating bilateral stimulation. This helps your brain process stress. Um, There are there's wonderful applications for it. And I find that um, it can, it's a really wonderful addition when it is the right fit. And I'm going to be honest, if I was to have to give away one of my interventions, it would be EMDR. I don't know if I need to add that here, but I, I, I want to say that here because if EMDR is not for you, keep looking. There are wonderful interventions out there that that can really help your brain do this.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. You say that because that really resonates with you. And for something to be effective for individuals, if they believe in it, and if they understand it, I mean, I've gone over brain maps with people three or four times mm-hmm. because I know that if I can get them to understand what coherence is, how the brain shares information and what yes. phase is, the timing, I know that if I can help them understand that, then they can relate it to their daily life. That's right. That's oh, right. yeah. I'm being impulsive again. That brain's too fast. That's right. So, We just have to provide so many different ways to come at things, and I think that you know I was board certified in neurofeedback back in two thousand and five, and then I wrote I brought went to grad school and brought the counseling piece in, because I honestly believe you got to calm that brain down, and Mm -hmm. once that brain calms down then that brain's ready to process everything. The brain, you know, okay, let's talk about this. Let's, let's let go of this. Let's get rid of it. So I think, you know, we, we have a very similar perspective. We may use different techniques, but we do kind of share the same perspective. Yeah. We've got about a minute left before we go to break. What is the one takeaway that you want our listeners to have?
2: I want to just say, like, even what you're talking about, all these little things you can learn about your brain really is so powerful because it really stops making these issues and these challenges and symptoms in your life about what's wrong with you, why a problem, a you problem. This is not a you problem. This is a brain function problem that can resolve and resolve beautifully and well and quickly.
1: Those are great words to leave on with our listeners because, you know, when I give somebody a brain map, it's so validating. Oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Now I understand. It's my brain just not be able to work. So stay with us. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about a whole lot more.
0: We'll be back after these messages. Hate it when someone starts a sentence by saying, Don't take this the wrong way, but according to Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal, we all do this on occasion. Some people refer to these phrases as tee ups. That seems fitting. What do you do with a golf ball? You tee it up and then give it a giant wallop. Tee ups, like to tell you the truth, supposedly soften the blow. But if you are taking the trouble to announce your honesty now, maybe you've been telling too many terrididdles, flummery, and fiblets. Being on the wrong side of a tea up can be confusing for the listener. What are other words for confusion and frustration? Wouldn't dream and jargogle. Maybe it would be best to try to remain nickety. That means totally above board and precise. It's margin. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Have you ever walked into a room on a mission to get something and totally forgot what you went in there for? I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total sieve head, as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Nucleptia. So, what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson.
1: So thanks for staying with us and coming back with us. We've in the first part of the show we've talked a lot about the mind body connection. And you know, a lot of times people will will say I've never heard of that, but honestly, this has been around for a long time. It's not anything that's brand new. Rachel,
2: share your thoughts with us for that. Yeah, you know, I think I'm with the people in the camp of this feels new. Um and I think, you know, I graduated back in, in with my master's in 2005, and we never talked about the mind-body connection as I was learning about mental health therapy. Um, we talked about cognitive behavioral therapy. We talked about um, the therapeutic relationship, um, talking about this support. Um, I had no idea that... I could talk to my brain and help my own in its own language um, and get it to resolve symptoms, make them stop and help me live well and feel better. Um, so I think that and, and when I started doing that, I really had my own mental health crisis. And I asked, I ran into somebody who was all, an alternative healer, and she handed me the training DVD set for emotional freedom techniques. And so That's I got that intervention that night. I was having insomnia as usual. And I thought, well, let me try this as I'm pumping adrenaline through my system. And I start tapping on the points. I yawn. I tap on them again. I fall asleep. I wake up the next morning and I'm like, what else can I try this on? And that's really when I began. I I began resolving symptom after symptom after symptom. And I just, I started getting better. And then I, I, now I'm going to tell you that I had quit therapy because I was really mad and I was, I can't believe we're just supposed to talk about things for the next 10 years. These people need help now. <laughs> and there's no, I mean, I was angry. um, And so here I had this intervention that was really powerful. And I thought, if I ever go back to work, this is what I'll do. And so, cause this is a real thing and not that talk therapy isn't, I've really made peace with that. I'm so grateful for the amazing counselors out there. Um, they're so important. And when it comes to helping the brain heal itself, we're really talking about working that mind body connection and working with brain function and not just talking about our symptoms and so um i think having discovered this myself by by learning about interpersonal neurobiology by watching brain maps by 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 seeing what we're doing it really showed me oh this is why i'm g- helping people get results and so i just quit everything else like i really don't do i don't do the counseling i don't i really help people do the brain work for resolving symptoms of anxiety depression and traumatic stress and building wellness and I really only do that by helping the brain through its process for 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 healing, and that's that shifting the brain into a regulated state over and over again, and um, and helping people really sort out their complex issues by getting their brain to do that, not by talking them through that. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not talking with the work that I do specifically, but it's 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 really different. And so I think that um, where it's not new, the mind-body connection talk, I think that it's really gaining a new place in our field. And we're coming out with some people who are specialists in that specific work, which I think is beautiful because that allows the counselors to do what they do well and not have to work the, the mind body connection as intensely as it needs to be worked and rewired and rebuilt while someone's recovering from complex childhood trauma, PTSD, anxiety, eating disorders, you know, um, anxiety disorders, those sorts of things. And so I think that it's, this is really beautiful how this is shifting the field and empowering people and empowering professionals Oh,
1: I I so agree. And what I've really enjoyed watching over the last 10 to 15 years is the shift away from medication. And I'm not, you know, if medication works for you, that's great. But it doesn't work for a lot of people. And a lot of people do have side effects and they do. It does create some problems for some people. And I think that the more options that people know about the more different approaches that they know they can take
2: the that's going to promote wellness all the way around. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pro medication in the moments that it's needed. Um, And um, at the same time, I understand very clearly medication is not a healing strategy. It does not create healing. Um, It is a support. It is, I know it's medication support. It can support people navigating the weight of emotions and traumas and mental health challenges that are not moving through the healing process. But we don't want stuff to just stay medicated. We want it healed. We want it resolved. That's how we get our life back. That's how our relationships become deep and rich. That's how we can become available for safety and connection, um, thriving, security, um, stability, emotionally, mentally, um, relationally, financially, that's where every beautiful thing takes place. I mean, your brain builds that wellness by processing our experiences and our thoughts and our feelings. And so I would never want someone to not heal. And yes, I have some clients, I have a small percentage of clients that they're, they need more emotional support to be able to do this work. And so we talk about the medication or they are already coming to me with medication. And after a, a while of this work, they see their brain is working. And they're like, I don't know if I need this medication anymore. And then we'll start the process of coming off the medication and, and doing the brain work for resolving the symptoms that the medication was holding for them and supporting them with. And pretty soon their brain is able to thrive independently and it doesn't need these same supports that it used to need. And it's so amazing. You know, I have people say,
1: "You know, all of a sudden, I'm off the medication and I my my arthritis used to be so much worse." I mean, the comments that I hear that and once you kind of get that body in a more in a cleaner state because medications are synthetic chemicals, most mm-hmm. of them, that once you get that body in a cleaner
2: state, the whole body just works better. Absolutely. And not just that, but some of these, some of our symptoms, some of our memories, some of our, um, our emotional challenges are showing up in our body just the same way as illnesses are. Um, and when we resolve those issues, it clears out of the body as well. I had a client who thought that they, um, they're a surgeon and they thought that they had, you um, a, a neurological problem, like they had developed a tumor that was sitting on something. We resolved the, the I used the, that somatic sensation and we went back to some original memories, resolved those and that symptom went away. They no longer have that sensation running down their arms anymore. And so some of these things that are showing up in our body really are emotional and e- experiential in nature and they have to be resolved at that, at the origin and i think people
1: understand root causes they understand that there's something there that's causing the problem yes. and being able to get to that root cause not only it makes them feel like they're in charge but it it
2: the problems just kind of disappear that's right it's the difference between you know um, you know popping off the leaves of the dandelion or and you know it's just going to come back up and make more seeds or getting to the root issue, pulling that out, and that's not there anymore. Now I'm a huge fan of dandelions, so I'm not trying to say we don't need dandelions in the world. But when we're talking about symptoms, we don't want to stay at the symptom level. Cha- you know, chopping off symptoms. It's powerful to be able to resolve a symptom. It's hugely powerful. But it, more importantly, it's a that's a full-time job that we could be doing for the rest of our life. We want to get to the root. We want to resolve the root, and we want to get to the root as fast as possible. And like I was sharing, there are tons of great strategies for that that can create life changing transformation very quickly.
1: Absolutely. Well we've talked about the different ways that the mind body connection works and from a physical aspect, the things that that are so unexpected that will happen. But what I have found with my clients the most important thing is the relationships that they have in their life. And when they can get those relationships in balance and when their friends and their family can understand them, that's when I see, that's a life-changing moment.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to be redundant, <laughs> but all of these challenges we're facing and all the symptoms that show up in our relationships, the anxiety, the, the worrying of what they're going to think, um, worrying about their responses, being afraid of rejection, um people-pleasing, um, freezing, fleeing situations, avoiding them, all of those things your brain can resolve when it shifts into that regulated state. And it's so cool when people will notice that these things are happening. They'll use an intervention, and the next thing you know that they can be in that conversation in a healthy, skillful um, way that like makes them feel proud of themselves and they get to see the result of doing something new and once if we're still if we just are engaging in in these relationships under all this distress that could be triggering us from the past or from other places which is frustrating because we're like i'm just trying to have a good relationship right now not like have to wade through all this stuff, right? But um, that happens, and that's really how brains function. But if we can get some support right there, all of a sudden, all that stuff clears out, and your brain is like, "Oh, I know what to do. Why don't we just say this?" Or wait, hold up. I'm I need a little bit more time here. Let let me. I'm just gonna take a two minute break, and I'm gonna do a little bit more processing and thinking, and I'll figure this out. And so we can stay in connection instead of interacting with each other from a state of fight, flight, freeze, faint, or fawn, and really harming our relationships, harming the people that we love. And none of us want to do that. That's the no. one thing that we absolutely
1: don't want to do. And we don't want to isolate. We don't want to live our life alone. We're social We're social beings. We need people. We need that interaction. And when I think that people start to feel comfortable with themselves, then they can open their, their heart and their arms up to a lot of things that
2: are just right there in front of them. Absolutely. And I think that what's really cool about this work that has surprised me personally and just empowered me personally, but also I watch it empower my clients and, and people who do this work, is that a lot of times we get caught up in the idea that the other person needs to make us feel safe. The other people, at person, need to do this differently so that we can relax, so that we can trust them, so that we can X, Y, or Z. And all of a sudden, when you start doing this work inside with how scared you feel, and you get that processed, and um, and how insecure you feel, and how distrustful you feel, and you get all that stuff processed, all of a sudden your brain starts making its own safety, its own security, its own trust. And all of a sudden, you're showing up in these situations grounded. Doesn't matter what these other people. Do, you know, and and that frees people up a lot because that reduces other pe- the the other persons need to be to manage the situation perfectly, or you're going to lose your stuff all over them, or you know, and we get to take our power back. We get to find ourselves being stronger, being healthier, behaving more in alignment with us, with ourselves and our desires more independently. And then we can show up more interdependently in our relationships instead of that codependent, I need you to do this so I feel more safe. I need you to say this so that I can trust you. All those things. And we just navigate our stuff better. We're stronger. And we know more uh, those lines when this is just toxic as opposed to this is an area where my brain is not creating the safety I need due to past experiences, whatever. And I need to grow more of my own safety and security needs.
1: Boy, that codependency can really create bigger problems. And, Uh and that can be sometimes breaking the codependency is harder than getting the the brain in a regulated state. Have
2: you experienced that? Uh, you know what? I really like codependency work um, because I, I think it's very straightforward. And I, I, my ten year ten year old ten years younger self would be flabbergasted that I would have even made that statement because codependence was the native language of my family, and I really every situation I navigated was codependent, and I could not see. Any rhyme or reason to it, or I, I just could not understand it. But now I really, the, the foundation of codependence is dependence. It's very simple. Wherever there's dependence, you have the the fertile soil for codependence. And so in these places, we want to. And and this is kind of tricky too because we we will want interdependence. It's it's way higher than independence. Interdependence is, and so but for what I'm talking about, stay with me here. Dependence is, allows for a fertile ground for codependence. And so when we are dependent on other people for feeling safe, feeling secure, feeling worthy, feeling um, important, feeling like we matter, feeling like we're affirmed, feeling like we're seen and understood, those needs are feeling like we're getting enough attention. Those That, that really can make us, codependent and stuck in dynamics that are not good for us, but we're so needy for that thing we're dependent on, we'll tolerate a lot of toxicity, trauma, distress, and dysfunction. And so when when I'm working with people with codependence, we find these needs and we start getting the brain to rebuild the function there. Um, Because brains need to be generating like my brain needs to generate my safety needs. If it's not generating my safety needs, I need to pull it aside and say, hey, um, over here, I really feel not safe. And none of the data shows that, but I feel terribly unsafe. Can we work on this please? And I will use my intervention over there. Now that's a long conversation. We don't really have those conversations, but you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I did. And all of a sudden my brain will start creating safety in those places. Cause there are places our brain's like, I don't know, I can't make safety over here. I don't get it. And so we can help it to figure that out and start building safety there. And now when we encounter that spot, now we can generate our own safety, which eliminates our dependence on someone else to make that for us and now mind you this is a process and we don't just go from our our safety needs fully met and fully unmet to fully met um there's a process and we can transition and we can use resources and supports and strategies along the way but ultimately we those on um, those those areas where we're dependent that's where we want to get the brain to wire in wellness wire in its own ability to generate these things that we need
1: well, you know, it's interesting, because I've I've read quite a bit about the connection between the heart and the brain. And then I've also read about the gut being the second brain. But I honestly believe that there, there I believe there's a connection with, with both of the organs, but the heart mm-hmm. and the brain is a connection that is, is really becoming of more interest to me. I get the gut thing. I mean, that's where the neurotransmitters come from. That's the chemical synapses but the heart and the brain is something that I'm really becoming more intrigued with. What's yes. your experience with that?
2: I, I'm finding the research fascinating, lovely, beautiful. Um, I, gosh, I, I have so many thoughts on this cause I'm right there with you. Um, uh, let me just say this. I, when, when, because I work this one specific process in the brain, um, I find that it impacts all the other processes, including the the heart-mind connection. And so I kind of stay out of the nerdiness of that and stay in the art of creating the wellness and the um uh gosh, there's a word, coherence. That's the word. <laughs> I stay I stay in the art of creating the coherence. Um, but we are all experiencing this and it's so cool when my clients are, we, you we know, we've, uh, we find an area of panic attack, let's say, and we can, we're using interventions and they come into a plate of coherence and healing and they can feel that shift. Right there, I will talk about that mind-body connection, that heart-mind connection, and they are feeling it in that moment. And this is happening with all of us all the time. And, you know, I think with HeartMath, they really rocked a, a study with this. And it really proved to me that the heart has its own technology. Um, just like the subconscious mind has its own technology, the prefrontal cortex has its own technology, the survival system has its own technology, and the body has its own technology. So I feel like with the heart, we're getting a new player in the game. And where I, when I'm looking at wellness, I want to see that all the players are working together well and optimally. That's my goal. And so to bring the heart in and... I find that people will either navigate life when they have a disorder, they'll either navigate life from their heart center or they'll navigate life from their prefrontal cortex, their thinking center, which because most of everything is not working in collaboration. And so there are benefits from working with the heart and there are pros and cons, you know, to working with the thinking center only. And, but really we want to get them both together. And what I tell people is that this, the we've, it's proven that the heart, technology is precognitive. It's it's receiving and processing information before the free prefrontal cortex. That means that your heart's going to know things before your mind does, before your, thinking, before your thoughts arrive and start translating what's going on in the world. Your heart has already received the information. And that heart is going to be sending information to the brain to say, hey, let me tell you what I know. Now, if, if you're in an emotionally dysregulated state, that message that's gonna go from your heart to your mind, let, let me tell you all the things I know, it's gonna be incoherent, it's gonna be staticky, and your brain will register it, hey, we're getting information, but we don't know what it is. And so as we're working to bring the mind-body into that regulated state, we're using emotional freedom techniques or thought-filled therapy, we're, we're processing the distress, and then all of a sudden we're coming into a regulated state, the, the messages from the heart become coherent and all of a sudden people are like, oh, epiphanies, insights, new ways of thinking about this situation, new strategies, new solutions, Right. Right. That's, that's to me, the evidence of the power of our whole system working together well. And so I'm not, I, I, I'm a fan of all parts of us. And I I teach strategies for working with each different part um, so that when people come together to run things at real time, they can (laughs) seamlessly navigate. Oh, this is my prefrontal cortex. This is my subconscious. You know, this is my body. You know, let me, let me put everybody on pause. Let me have a conversation with my body, a healing conversation, you know, we can, we build up to that, but each one of these parts is really so special. It's really wonderful to see what we're learning about them. The, the insights we're getting all that stuff. It's just, well, it, and
1: yeah. it is, you mentioned heart math and the studies that I've read that they do, and it's just using your breathing to get in sync with your heart rate and creating heart rate variability. And I've seen the difference that they make it with people with diabetes.
2: It's, yeah. it's so, so impressive. So uh, there's so many ways to interact with your heart that the breathing is just one of the many ways. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, um, if when in the height of my anxiety and trauma disorder, if somebody had told me to breathe one more time, I might, I I don't know if I would have been responsible for my behaviors, but what's ironic now that I understand how the mind body works, my favorite trauma processing intervention is a breathing intervention. It combines breathing and tapping. And so what you're talking about is very, very true that the, the breath work and how we breathe is, is such a simple way to interact and make our heart coherent. And that heart coherence impacts our relationships. When I When I see this shift take place in people, their dogs, their cats come from all areas of the house. They want to sit on their lap. Their, their children come from the other room. They, like They can feel the energetic shift and they want a piece of that. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Everybody wants to feel the love. Everybody does. And that's some of the stuff that heart HeartMath is really exploring and showing that we are all interacting with each other's heart field. And um, and there's there's we're sharing information and we're impacting each other's nervous system through that field. And there's things we can do right here, tapping, breathing, um, you know, neurofeedback, all these things we can do to shift that into a really beautiful place that amplifies the wellness and the goodness in our life. Absolutely. And, you know, you can, we're nothing but
1: frequencies and we're nothing but energy. And I can walk in a room and I can tell whose heart is open to receive. Mm -hmm. I can, I can look at their body language. I can look at their expression i can look at their eye contact there's so many different things but you can tell who who truly is open to receive and it's just like i gravitate immediately i gravitate to those people well you know we've talked about so many different things rachel we've got two minutes left And I think what I'd like to do is is have you you tell people how they can find you. I mentioned a Facebook group that you run. So let's give people a little bit of information about you.
2: Yeah. um, Gosh, the place to find me is on my website. Um, that's really the hub of where you can find the healing opportunities I offer, information. Um, I offer free trainings on different interventions. I like to get people really hands on with their brain. Um, And their brain function. And so my website is rachelmccloud.com. And my name is spelled like Rochelle. I'm sure Lee will have um, a clickable in the link somewhere. But absolutely. um, It's my my name. It's rachelmccloud.com. R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-C-C-L-O-U-D.com and i have a youtube channel i'm talking about these issues i'm talking about how they're showing up in relationships how they're showing up in your inner world how they're showing up in mental health disorders how to get rid of resolve symptoms i really want to empower everyone to make the choices and to get the information they need and so and then i also have an intensive coaching program i have an online self study program that people can do with themselves or with their therapist who may not be trained in this and so and then I have some workshops. So that's that's there. Thank you so much for sharing that information, and thank you so much, Rachel, for being with
1: us today. I I've, I've learned to look at things a little bit differently, and I know many of our listeners have as well. So thank thanks so again. That. It's been a pure pleasure.
0: On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com.